Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this evening? Welcome back to the One Man Low Council and episode 303 of the Welcome to Asgard podcast, which reminds me to shout out Toaf Morris, who is still a $5 a month backer over on Anchor.fm, where this show is hosted as a podcast, which reminds me I have a lot of podcast episodes to make, and apologies to Toph for falling behind on that. Before going any further, though, please make sure you smash that like button if you're watching over on YouTube. Light up that fire button if you're watching over on Odyssey. On Odyssey, Vincent Womack, I see you over there. We are live on Odyssey today. No issues. Uh, really does mean a lot. And shout out, of course, to the DLive fam and anyone also watching over on Twitter as well. As you can tell from the title, today we're going to be talking about some box office. We're going to talk about Ghostbusters specifically, over even the studio, even what Sony was expecting for the film, how it is currently matching up against Ghostbusters 2016. We'll also talk about the current state of Dune and why I still think it's going to be very difficult for that movie to be able to reach its break-even point. And we'll also, of course, talk about Eternals and why there is still an outside baseball chance it could break even, but that that chance is dwindling very quickly because of just a, a lack of the international support that was shown initially and had a somewhat stronghold in the second weekend but seems to, especially with a plethora of films coming out this weekend because of the Thanksgiving holiday here in the States, amongst other things, likely will result in the film being a financial loss. Yet again, another financial loss for Disney. The only film this year to make any money for Disney, technically, would be that of Shang-Chi. And even that film made, what, 30 or $40 million, which is chump change. And cannot make up for the 100 plus million dollar loss of films like Jungle Cruise or other films since the beginning of the pandemic. But before diving into any of those numbers, let's say hello to some people in the chat. I hope you all enjoyed uh, Saturday's episode. We uh, featured here Michelle from Force of Light Entertainment, and it was a great discussion. We had a, a non-spoiler and spoiler-filled discussion about Ghostbusters Afterlife. So if you want to have more information about that. Again, the links for those uh, for that show are still available on the various social media platforms and in the Discord, though it is unlisted, uh, as, of course, for some reason, streams decide to play with the algorithm. But let's say hello to some people. we got Matthew Highland in the chat. What is going on, Matthew Highland? Thank you very much for being here. we got Waiting for Nerdronic. Laura, how is it going? Thank you for being here. She is the modern major general of the channel. we got Rob D. in the chat. Hail to you. we got Miss Martin Muses. What is going on, Miss Martin Muses? And thank you also for that super sticker of the rose. Always appreciate that. And always, always appreciate the reference to... Um, St. Teresa of the Sioux, St. Teresa of the Little Flower. Uh, anyway, let's go ahead and say that <laughs> Laura is warning everybody. She is not in a good mood, so do not cross her. She indeed has mod powers, so do not cross her. Do not uh, be a tool in the chat. As some people have learned in the comment section on recent videos, you, you, you don't play around in the comment section because if there's, there's going to be a Valkyrie lurking, or you might even have... Uh, the All-Father himself going back and forth with you. And if you're just going to be a tool, hey, I have no 
uh, patience for that kind of nonsense. And neither do my mods. Uh, Gribal, what's going on? Thank you for being here. Karatharp, who is a member, hail to you. We got Joey Horn, who is a member as well. Hail, hail, hail. Rob D, tagging in question right away. Hello, Odin. I feel like there's not going to be many people in the chat tonight. Everyone's probably traveling right now. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it could be a mixed bag. Uh, obviously, the show typically Typically, it's going to be somewhere between usually in the 40s to 100 is usually the max number that we have on these shows, whether it's a Tuesday or a Saturday. But obviously, yeah, a lot of people are definitely going to be traveling. I know that there was uh, a lot of people streaming earlier, and so that always has to be taken into account as well. But as you all know, I'm always a big fan of the smaller chats because they're, they're, they're small discussions. More people are able to get their questions in. And we're able just to have a, a much better discussion overall. It's not to say that I, I don't mind the the larger chats because those are also fun too. But again, uh, we're a small uh, but mighty community here in Asgard. Tina B, the Empress of the Universe, is here reminding everybody not just to smash the like button, but also if you do want to get my attention at any point on whatever platform you are on. Again, if you want a comment or question read on any platform, whether it's Odyssey, DLive, Twitter, or YouTube, you have to put at Odin, not not the channel name, at Odin. It's very specific, all right? It's very easy as well. At Odin, at the very beginning of your comment, let me know you're trying to get my attention, and then uh, I'll be able to read out your comment. The only exception to that rule are for members on the YouTube channel. It's one of the perks of being a member on the YouTube channel, and, of course, for any new people as they enter in, because I like to say hello. I like to say hello to the new people. We got five of fives place over on Odyssey. What's going on? Good, sir. Thank you for being here. Appreciate it. Light up that fire button. We got Soul Assassin in the chat. Hail to you, Soul Assassin. Thank you for being here. Mr. Roy, who was here earlier. What's going on, Mr. Roy? How's it going? Glad to have you here. Bruce, what's going on, bruv? Welcome back to the chat. We got Dolores Ed in the chat saying, well, all right, all right, all right. Welcome back, good sir. We got Cacao and Cookies. Minion, what's going on? Cacao and Cookies. Always makes me want cookies. Matthew Highland, what's going on, good sir? Thank you again for being here. Let's see who else we got. We got Super Anime Gamer saying, hey, what is up, my dude? What's going on? We got Rosie G12, who's a member. What's going on? We also have Alice McCarthy saying, howdy, old, and how's it going? How's the worm? Watch Sicario 8 out of 10 because of the great Taylor Sheridan who wrote it. I can't believe this is the first time that you've actually seen Sicario. That actually makes me mad. You've seen so many other terrible modern films before Sicario. That, that, that just makes me upset. That just grinds my gears, Alex McCarthy. And then you only give it an 8 out of 10? I mean, come on, man. That that film is is worth much, much more than that. But anyway, thank you for being here, Alex McCarthy. I do appreciate it. But uh, it is a fantastic film. In fact, um, it's actually a film that, right now, for my uh, Army of Asgard level and above members on all the various platforms, uh, have some, I have a rapid-fire... Uh, somewhat rapid fire uh, 4k steelbook giveaway going on right now also includes a couple of blu-ray tiles as well uh, but someone actually has already won i believe it was joey horn who's actually in the chat tonight uh, but he had claimed the 4k steelbook of sicario so congratulations to you good sir uh, but yeah i have another copy to give away uh, there and i still have some uh, for those that are aware of the giveaway and are uh, eligible for the giveaway uh, I still have A Quiet Place Part 2 on 4K. I have a couple of copies of American Psycho on 4K. I have the entire John Wick trilogy on 4K Steelbook as well. I also have a regular 4K of A Quiet Place Part 2. And I also have got a Top Gun 4K Steelbook 
as well. So again, if you are a part of that, you would have seen it over on Locals, or you would have seen it in the Discord server. And again, that is for members over on places like Patreon, Subscribestar, and Locals who have access if you are at the Army of Asgard level and above. But man, oh man, Sicario, fantastic. Not to mention the Steelbook is gorgeous. Truly gorgeous. Orange Eye Reviews, what's going on? Good sir. Thank you very much for being here today. Uh, Laura's saying, chairception. Yes, there is indeed a chair in the background. It's the old chair. It's a chair I used to use. It's a chair that I used to know. Somebody, somebody. Dark Shadow Logan, what's going on, brother? We got Forever Sci-Fi in the chat as well. Hail to you. Thanks for being a member on the channel. Thank you for being here as well. Thank you for being a friend. Double back again. What's going on? Rob D in the chat saying, Started reading Jack Kirby's Eternals comics. Haven't really gotten deep into the story yet. Only read the first two issues. Yeah, and as you all know, I'm, I'm not much of a comics person. Never was something I got into when I was younger. I had a lot of friends throughout high school that were big into comics. But I don't ever remember them even mentioning for a second that uh, the property of the of, of Eternals. So it's, it's again, very obscure property. It's clearly not being well-received domestically. I mean, there is no doubt that the film is a complete failure domestically when you just compare it to the other MCU films that come out this year. But then you also add on to the fact that it is doing much better internationally. It's already surpassed those other two films internationally, but it's not doing as well as it would need to in order for it to reach its break-even point, which is roughly around $500 million because of its massive budget. Uh, Ms. Marm uses again, thank you for that super sticker. I really do appreciate that. You are awesome. All righty, let us see who else is here. We got Mr. Zod's Fandom Zone. What's going on, good sir? Welcome back to the chat. We got Kitty Bear, Crazy Dutch, <laughs> saying, I'm not here. Oh, hello. Yes, you are here. I see you. I see you. You've been called out, good sir. But thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Thanos Felicitas is here in the chat as well. What's going on, bruv? How is it going? Uh, we'll go ahead and say hello to a couple more people and then dive into some box office talk. Forever Sci-Fi says, I'm listening from Michigan while hanging out with my parents. Golden Retriever, safe travels to anyone else making a trip this week. Absolutely, safe travels. Blessed Thanksgiving to everyone out there. Uh, I get to enjoy mine a little bit early, uh, getting tomorrow off, uh, being off for the rest of the week. It's very, very nice, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, might be able to have a chosen stream tomorrow because... Uh, the Chosen of Valhalla have some pretty crazy schedules this week, so we're looking at tomorrow, sometime around 1 or 2 Eastern start. It can only be a two-hour show uh, in either case just because of time constraints, and then also on Saturday would be the second show, again, around the same time, around 1 or 2 p.m. Eastern, and again, would have to be a two-hour show. Looking to split it just that way, uh, we're able to get to everyone and talk about everyone uh, everyone's projects and and have our movie talks discussions but also not have it go on uh, for the three to four hours that sometimes it does just because uh, with this week especially that the time is just not really there for it uh, but anyway uh, thank you again for listening and um, yeah absolutely hope everyone has a wonderful Thanksgiving this week uh, double back again. Thank you for saying hello, Vincent Gallipo. What's going on, Vincent? Peter Martin says hello from Tasmania. Dang, man, that's a far way away. Uh, Philly the Hobbit, over on DLive. 
what's going on? He says, oh, yeah. Well, thank you for being here, man. I appreciate it. Evan S., what's going on, bro? He says, I sent you a package. I sent the package your way yesterday. Should be at your box on Saturday. There is an item for Lady Freya that she needs for Sunday. Please follow the instructions I left in the box. Okay, I will do the best I can. Here's the issue. I may not be able to get to it uh, by Saturday, so just keep that in mind. So hopefully it's nothing of like a um, it needs to be uh, preserved nature because again sometimes I just am not able to to get to the places because also remember as well uh, right we are going into Thanksgiving week family coming around so the weekend's already going to be uh, a little bit crazier than usual uh, in general especially with the chosen stream uh, being a couple days uh, Laura says here I haven't watched Sicario either I'll watch it after uh, I'll watch it when you watch Excalibur yeah I watched another 20 minutes or so of Excalibur and got through that incredibly awkward and just I I hated it scene uh, of of the the love scene uh, I, I, uh, with, with Uther pretending, you know, because of magic to be, no, um, I, I'm sorry. I don't know what it is. I have not gotten to the point in this movie yet where I understand why people love it. I, I'm just being honest here. I, again, I have not watched the entirety of the movie yet, but I, I, I'm not getting it because that whole sequence was so uncomfortable and just blech. Um, I, I just know. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but there's just something about it I, I'm just not liking. Uh, the acting is over the top, incredibly cheesy, and I'm just not getting any uh, vibes of a film that, that it's my cup of tea at this point. I've not, again, I've not finished the film yet. I will totally give it its fair due and watch the entirety of it, but again, I'm just being honest here. Just calling it like I see it. All right, let's see. Super says, I'm good, thanks. Been spending time... Uh, spend the day Christmas shopping and have a laugh at Netflix between the He-Man stuff circulating on Twitter and Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, I tried watching Bebop. I'm going to say, because I know a lot of people have already done some reviews of the Cowboy Bebop live action on Netflix and they've been tearing it apart. I, I watched the first episode and I didn't hate it. I'm just, I'm just going to be honest. Now, I say that as someone who is not a diehard fan of the original uh, anime. I, I like the original anime a lot, enough to where I, I'm planning on, on buying it at some point because it, it's a really well-done anime. It's a really great story, uh, beautiful animation. But overall, I just, at least from the first episode, there wasn't a lot there to really, you know, tick me off in any way um, because I, I think that there's a couple of really good actors in the show. Uh, and if the only argument you have is... Well, in comparison to the anime, I get that argument. I totally do, right? I was making the same argument with Dune. But, again, I think that also can maybe explain why there might be some people that are, I guess, again, more apt to watch it. Because it is trending. Uh, obviously, we know that those trends can easily be influenced. But, overall, uh, again, just one episode in, though. So, I'm sure things will kind of... I'm assuming things are going to go off the rails even more so. Um, and again, I, I totally agree with uh, the actress who's playing Faye, Var uh, Faye Valentine. Um, not only is she, obviously, I, I totally admit and totally recognize that she is just trash in her real life persona, but she's also just, again, not really fitting the character like it was in the anime. However, as I said, watching it just as an adaptation without having, you know, any rich knowledge of or memorization of characterizations, etc. Again, it's it's not the worst thing that I've, I, I, I've ever seen. So at least from that first episode, it's, it's not 
complete garbage. So again, I, I'm I'm hoping that I get to a point that I can start to say that, but overall, I haven't gotten to that point yet. Just I'm I'm just being honest. It's what I do here. It's what I do. Uh, let's see, AJD Old Channel Archive says, Have you caught the last duel? Feel bad for Sir Ridley Scott. It flops so hard. It's been pulled from cinemas uh, near me before I could go see it. I don't really feel bad for him at all. I mean, he, I mean, they're the ones that put $100 million into a film that essentially was Oscar bait at best. And from what I hear from a very trusted source, and that is one of my mods, uh, Laura, it's an incredibly uncomfortable film. And it's unnecessary. Uh, they they feature a uh, grape scene, as we might say, like on a few different occasions. So it's it's derivative of Rashomon, from what I've heard, also right, telling the story from different perspectives. But then it also showcases that scene where they don't have to show that exact scene three different times. So I, I don't feel bad, to be honest. I really don't. And that film is a massive financial flop. So um, yeah, I, I don't feel bad at all, uh, knowing at least that part of it, amongst other things. Uh, let's see. Matthew Highland says, mm, "I wonder where you get that 4K. Where you got that 4K of Sicario? Uh, got it from Best Buy. Got it from Best Buy. If you couldn't tell from the Best Buy uh, logo on the front, but they have again a ton of stuff like that. Uh, so the ones you're talking about, Matthew Highland. So again, shout out to Matthew Highland for sending me one. Uh, that's the one that's in my collection. That one actually I bought. So um, that specific one is not from you, but I do appreciate the one that you did send me." <laughs> Uh, Jason Ivanstein, what's going on, man? Thanks for being here. All right. Soul Extraction, member on the channel. Thank you for being here as well. Uh, and then, yeah, Jay typically does live stream around this time on Tuesdays. Uh, I've mentioned this before. He's kind of like the only person that I, I give a pass to when streaming. Not to mention, of course, got to rep the uh, Welcome to the Rebellion uh, shirt from, was it Nine Line? Uh, very, very comfortable shirt in general. But anyway. Welcome to the Rebellion. All right, so let me double check and make sure no one's tagged me over on Odyssey. Uh, let's see, Visit Womack has. He says, which version of Excalibur? Uh, it is, uh, I, I don't know the exact version. Let's see. Doo -doo 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 -doo. Sorry, I got a literally a stack of movies in front of me, some of which I still need to go through. And some that I still need to digitize. Where did I put that one? I don't know where I put it. I'm at a loss. But anyway, it was the one I was sent. I've been told, is that the one where there's like two different versions of it? Even so, the acting's still cheesy. And it's, it's not meant, to, it's not coming across as a film that's meant to be like funny cheesy. So I don't think that has anything to do with it uh, in general. Uh, but anyway, I uh, just wanted to get to that comment before diving over into uh, our box office discussion. So let's go ahead and go into some box office talk. All right. So let's talk first about Ghostbusters Afterlife. So as of right now, the film has made $63.7 million worldwide. This is a film that is, of course, not going to be much of a... Uh, major international uh, success just because Ghostbusters, even in general, going back to the films from the 80s, have not really been international sensations. It's been very much a domestic uh, property, has done very well amongst American audiences, especially. 
And so uh, that's kind of what we can expect from this film going forward. The $47.8 uh, million that's made so far, that includes the Monday, uh, which had a pretty decent hold. I think it only dropped about 65% or so Sunday to Monday, which is, a, again, a pretty strong hold in general for a film. Now, here's the thing with Ghostbusters Afterlife, though, of why the film and why a lot of us are talking, people who talk about box officers talking about the film being a, uh, a success, at least at this point in time. The reason why is for a couple of reasons. One, the budget. It only costs $75 million to actually make this movie. That is half of what they spent on Ghostbusters 2016. So when you take that into account, and then you realize that this film is not that far behind Ghostbusters of 2016, you start to realize that, oh, this film's actually in a very good position. Whereas Ghostbusters 2016 was a massive flop that had a lot of well-warranted hatred from the fan base because it was not a good film. I know that a lot of people still like to throw out the misogyny. No, 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 no. Let's, let's be honest with ourselves. What was the sales pitch for that movie? In all honesty, what was the sales pitch for Ghostbusters 2016? Oh, what if we just had the Ghostbusters but had them all be women? And then we take the secretary who actually has and is a great personality from the original series. And then let's turn him into a dumb jock man. Like that is basically the jumping off point for Ghostbusters 2016. Like that, that's the reason why the, the film, it, it, it got so much, uh, again, rightfully so, got so much criticism. And the reason why this film in comparison is getting so much love is because this is essentially Ghostbusters 3. I know it's. I know people get triggered whenever I say that because there's some like, oh, it's not really. Well, hey, this this is the closest you're ever gonna get. This is the closest you're ever gonna get to a Ghostbusters three. This is one where it respects the source material. All right, it, it gives homage to the source material. There's tons of film, uh, tons of moments throughout the movie filled with nostalgia. It's nostalgia done right, and it's clearly being shown in the box office because this film was was projected by Sony. So again, Sony's projections for this movie was only 30.5, like 25 to 30 million domestically. It ended up at 44. So that already is a pretty imp impressive feat. You add on top of that the budget, and you start to realize, okay, this is a film that is a very good chance of breaking even rather quickly. Not just at all. I think that the fact that it'll break even is, is kind of a foregone conclusion based on how well it is being received by audiences. But... I want to say that the film could actually get relatively close or at least gets, uh, get a lot further along after this week because Thanksgiving week, of course, is a big week for a lot of different things, right? Families coming together in general. It's also a week in which a lot of people tend to just say, hey, let's go to the films as a family and go and watch it, right? Let's go and see a movie together. Let's go ahead and you know take and enjoy this time off that we have. And so that, I think, is going to be a huge benefit for Ghostbusters Afterlife because it is a family movie. It's not a kid's movie. I, I, I've heard that falsity being thrown around too, right? Oh, it's a kid's movie. No, it's not. It's a family movie. There, there's literally something in this movie for the entire family. It's the very definition of a family film. It earns its PG-13 rating as well. There's a couple of moments that have some pretty scary factor to it. I don't think it's as scary as, as the original um, in some of the uh, things that were presented in the original film, but it is still there. And then there is some language throughout the film too. So it earns its rating, right? It earns its rating. 
And it is still one, though, that is made for the family. So because it's a family movie, it means it's a movie that the entire family can go to. That's a lot of tickets that can be sold. That is also a lot of concession items that can be bought as well. So this movie is not just good for uh, the studio, right? It's not just good for them in releasing this. It's also good in that it's going to be good for theaters. Because if if families are going and showing up to this film, which right now that seems to be the case because the strongest part of any of the days of its release was the early matinee shows, which is typically very much dominated by family audiences. So if that trend continues throughout this week, even theaters near me, which typically only have screenings as early as like 2 p.m. because of the state of the box office right now, tomorrow they're they're opening up as early as 11. And And then again, that's incredibly early for theaters near me. So I would say here that this is something that absolutely needs to be uh, brought up and and needs to be considered as being a strong point going forward for this movie. Not to mention, it's a little over two hours, and so you can get a lot of showtimes in as well. So it's looking pretty good for Ghost Budget Afterlife right now. It already overperformed the weekend. It overperformed the projections. It even overperformed the updated projections. So when they get their Friday numbers in, these experts, they like to make their adjustments, and they would say, that for this film, they said, oh, now we expect it to make $40 million. It even did better than that by the end of it. And again, a big part of that are the families that are going to see this uh, movie. Now, in comparison to what we see from the uh, from the 20, 2016 Ghostbusters, right? Sometimes known as Wokebusters or female Ghostbusters. In comparison to this film, as of right now, when we compare it, and let me go ahead and make sure that this is uh, put on to adjust for inflation because that's the only really fair way to look at it. What we see from this, right, is that at the same point in its release, Ghostbusters 2016 was at 53.9 million domestically, whereas this film is at 47.8 million domestically. So some would say, okay, well, Ghostbusters 2016 is winning. Here's the issue. Ghostbusters 2016 had terrible word of mouth, It was not well-received by audiences. In comparison to this film, which is well-received by audiences, which is getting a major release, and not to mention, of course, even in the midst of pandemic, even the midst of pandemic, is going to be probably one of the best performers over the holiday frame. Now, I I think that Encanto from Disney uh, definitely will be putting up a fight, though even for that movie, their projections are relatively low. For the domestic market. And I just found out, confirmed, that it's not even a hybrid release like I'd been mentioning in my videos. Because every time I saw the uh, release information for Encanto, I'm like, this film has to be hybrid release. They're, they're saying that this film is only expected to make like $35, $40 million in its opening frame. That's terrible. That, that That's garbage for a, a, a Disney animated movie. So you're looking then at a movie in Ghostbusters Afterlife that could actually give Encanto a run for its money because it's it's not the same in that it's not a kid's movie like Encanto is, but it is one where, hey, maybe if I'm a family, I would rather go to see Ghostbusters Afterlife than to go see Encanto. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to watch as the days unfold how much money it's able to get and what I think is going to happen and obviously, we'll have to wait for this bef- you know, to actually happen before I can uh, say anything else more really about it, is that I would not be surprised if by the second weekend here, right, where Ghostbusters 2016 
was at $91 million, I would not be surprised if Ghostbusters Afterlife is either at that same level or is in the process of surpassing it. So by the end of its entire run, and it dropped off like, again, it had a massive drop off really after that, going into the third, fourth week, just did not have a lot of legs. The film ended around $134.8 million by the end of its run. That's Ghostbusters 2016. It also had, again, really no showing whatsoever in the international box office. Now, this is a place where we'll probably see similar numbers Uh, Maybe some worse numbers, right? So this is a movie that still needs to release in certain areas, but this has never been known to be an international property. But I do honestly think that by the end of the run, we're going to see Ghostbusters Afterlife, at the very least, be able to get somewhat within this range. And if it doesn't, here's the kicker. Here's the key piece of information. Even if it doesn't get to the same level that Ghostbusters 2016 did, It's already in a better position because of that budget. Again, $75 million for Ghostbusters Afterlife versus the $152 million for Ghostbusters 2016. That alone is going to make a huge difference. Because even if this movie somehow comes in underneath some of these other movies, what that still means is that it's going to be more successful on paper because of the fact that it costs less. So... We, of course, will be following this as the release continues to go on. Again, I have my box office charts, of course, going over all of this information. So worldwide, it had a $60 million opening weekend. That is, of course, Ghostbusters Afterlife. And uh, just for anyone who's interested, the break-even number, because of a low production budget and typical marketing costs, the break-even for Ghostbusters Afterlife is $187.5 million. I think that's doable. I think that's very much doable. So even if it doesn't get to the same level, if it can at least get within striking distance, which I think is possible, hey, it's making money. Where Ghostbusters 2016 cannot say the same thing at all. So let's go ahead and take a small break from the box office to see what you have all to say. Let's see. Bruce tagged to say, I do not know what to think of Jay live streaming. And again, uh, I think I just uh, reread that comment, but yeah, as I said, he's the only one who can be uh, forgiven of that. Let's see. Uh, John Tratt says, will you be seeing Ghostbusters a second, second time? I would like to. Uh, the biggest issue is, of course, timing. Uh, I really don't have a lot of time these days to go see a movie, and it's because I work full-time. For those that don't know, this is not my full-time gig. This is something I do for fun, but I, I work full-time, so that is already taking up most of my time. Also, of course, I love to spend time with my family. So Freya deserves a, a pretty big chunk of my time. Also, of course, baby Thor, uh, as well as a toddler, requires a lot of my time as well. And so uh, because of that, I really don't have a lot of time to go see movies. So Thursday evenings are pretty much the only time that I feel comfortable like actually dedicating to say, hey, I'm gonna, I would like to go see this premiere or something. Um, but other than that, Unless it gets a day-and-day release on on streaming or something like that, it's really hard for me to go see films. To be perfectly honest, um, we're getting to the point where maybe you know, babysitters down the line. I would. This is a movie that I would love to take uh, Freya to. She's never seen the original uh, the original Ghostbusters, or at the very least, it's been a very long time where she doesn't really remember much about them. But I think that she would actually really enjoy. Uh, this this version. I think she would actually really enjoy this continuation of of the story. So I would like to. 
And the issue, of course, is that I, I just don't know if I'll have the time to. And there's other films that I would obviously like to be able to see and, and talk about as well. See, Super says, Eternals is super niche. I've been reading comics on and off for years, and I hadn't heard of them until the movie. It's also regarded by some to be one of Jack Kirby's worst stories. And yet they thought it was wise for them to adapt it into a movie. Oh, man. When will they ever learn? Probably never. Gromacal79, who's a member on the channel. Hail to you. Thanks for being here. Uh, Laura says, So, Grace Randolph gave Gucci a rotten review and said it was boring. It was so boring she nearly fell asleep. Oh, that's interesting. Coming from Grace Randolph, uh, of all people. <laughs> you would think that that's the kind of movie that she would love. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me it to be like a the typical Oscar bait movie. It's not expected to do very well at the box office. So, I don't know what the budget is for that film yet, but... Uh, if it's as high or even close to what Ridley Scott spent on The Last Duel, it's it's going to be pretty bad. It's going to be pretty brutal. Uh, let's see. Philly Hobbit says, you heard it from me first. Belfast is going to win Best Picture at the Oscars. Um, hey, it's an indie film, and I've been hearing good things about it, so it could happen. Uh, but here's the thing, Philly Hobbit. Never underestimate that woke crowd. Remember, every year that goes on, more and more young people get brought into the academy and they are very much skewing even more politically hard left than the already hard left political types in the academy. So do not be surprised if another film gets attention instead. Now, I've not seen Belfast. I don't really know much about Belfast. Uh, I've just heard great things about it. It's playing near me. That's, again, one of the films that I would like to see over seeing Ghostbusters 2, or rather Ghostbusters Afterlife again. Not because I don't want to see it again, just because with my timing, I just, again, uh, would like to be able to see uh, more than just one movie. Um, But, yeah, again, would not surprise me. Just the name alone screams to me Oscar uh, bait type material. Uh, let's see. Joey Horn says, Oh, and be prepared. There's another weird love scene later in Excalibur. I'm not a fan of that film at all. Yeah. Okay. Joey Horn. So I'm not alone here. I finally have someone, I guess, on my side on this, even though I know that uh, Tina, uh, my Valkyrie, the Empress of the Universe, is against me on this. Uh, I believe Andrew Hoyle is against me on, on, on this. I think Laura's against me on this as well. So I'm glad to hear that there's someone else who who's not a fan. Again, I'm going to give the whole movie a shot. But yeah, if there's another one of those scenes in there, uh, no, no, that, again, wh- wh- that's just not, that's just not the thing that I, I'm looking into at all, I, I just, know. <sighs> anyway, uh, Kara Tharp, staying at home this Thanksgiving, hey, always a uh, good thing, you know, we're, we're staying put as well, we got uh, family coming to us, which is, again, another nice thing as well, uh, awesome one, what's going on, bro, thank you for being here, appreciate it. See, Mr. Zaz, fan of his own. I'm a huge fan of Bebop. I don't think it's as bad as He-Man. Yeah, uh, based on just the, uh, just based on the description alone, all right? Just based on the description of what happened in the He-Man situation, that was a clear bait and switch, right? That, that That was a troll on the highest level, right? Kevin Smith lured fans in, promised a faithful adaptation, right? Promised that it all, and then it was a lie, right? So I think that to me makes a lot more sense as to why there's so much hatred towards the He-Man. And I, I, I was never into He-Man. I'm just being honest there. The closest that I ever have been to 
any type of fandom for He-Man is just the rendition of uh, what's going on. If you've never seen that rendition, just look up Heya, 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 and you should know exactly what I'm talking about, right? That that literally is the most I know about He-Man. So that, <laughs> so but hearing that described in that way, it, it makes sense why people would be mad with it. Whereas with uh, Bebop, the issue is not necessarily with the adaptation, though, again, I think that there's probably some valid arguments there from people who are more hardcore fans. The issue is more so no one was asking for it and no one wanted it and it didn't need it either. Not to mention, I believe the entire Cowboy Cowboy Bebop series animated is already on Netflix. So it's like, to me, it'd be like, I don't know why you would go with something that is, you know, not anywhere close to going to be as good as the original. And, you know, as I said, even though to me it's not dog crap, like some other people have been saying that it is. I'm not, by the way, that's not saying that it's good. I'm just saying I have not really found anything that offensive about it, at, at least at this point, coming from just a, I guess in this sphere, when it comes to the to the Cowboy Bebop sphere, I'm more of a normie, I guess you could say. But it is still something that uh, I, I think that we do need to have that separation, right? So again, the He-Man situation, I think, is incredibly different than this one. Uh, though, again, I would say for anyone out there that has their criticisms, hey, uh, I, I, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I'm not seeing it yet. Kitty Bear says, Cowboy Bebop is just as good as The Last Jedi. Um, again, I, I just, I'm only one, and that's the other thing, too. I'm just one episode in, and... I finished it, and here's my reaction, just to kind of get some context here. Context is always very important, by the way. I finished it, and I said, okay, it wasn't offensive. I don't really feel the need to keep watching. So, again, it's it's not dog crap, like people have been saying it is, but it's also not good enough for me to want to actually watch and go through the entire adventure either. Like, to me, my favorite part of the entire show so far has actually been the, uh, has actually been the casting of, and I just want to make sure I get the character, as I said, I'm not a diehard fan of this, but I've, I've seen, um, I've seen the entire series, uh, there's a movie I think they did as well, I haven't seen that yet, um, but I want to make sure I get the, the character's name at least right, because, um, there might be some disagreement on this. But there's one character that I think is actually really well cast based on my very limited uh, experience with the show. And that's uh, Mustafa Shakir as Jet Black. I thought he did great. John Cho was fine as Spike. Like, again, nothing offensive, but nothing great either. Uh, But Mustafa Shakir, like... All the stuff, like the way he was speaking and acting, I'm like, no, yeah, th- th- this is the character that I can remember from from the show. So, I mean, is is it a perfect copy? Well, nothing's ever going to be a perfect copy. But to me, he's the one that I think fits best in this universe. Um, and obviously, Daniela Pineda as Faye Valentine. I mean, again, it, even taking into account the fact that she's just terrible in her real life <laughs> persona. Um Again, not really that special, right? Not nothing really that special there. So yeah, that that's kind of my own thought about that. I, I don't know about Last Jedi. Again, I've only seen one episode though, and it's not 
good enough and it was not good enough for me to want to see anything else from the show. So I think that, again, uh, you always need full context, I think, on those types of things. Some people get, some people get a little sensitive to that stuff. Uh, as Bradley says, really, Scott made that trash Alien Covenants. I don't feel bad for him at all. Yeah, it's a great point. It's a very, very valid point, I would say. Uh, regards to the last duel with uh, will Adam Driver ever be in an objectively good movie that also makes money see that's the caveat because he has been in an objectively good films it, it's the making money part that that's a bit tricky because he was in a film called I think it's Patterson but it was an indie film so that film could have made money like that that film could have absolutely made money um, but uh, I, I, it wasn't a massive hit so, yeah, that's a, it's a good way of wording it, and I don't know the answer. All right. Let's see. Super. Speaking of Last Duel, did you see what Ridley Scott said? He claims the reason the movie flop is because of millennials, because they're uninterested in things outside of their phones. Yeah, I'm sure that's the reason why, Ridley Scott. And that, to me, just shows how disconnected he is from reality how disconnected he is from really anything going on. And and that's probably why he has put out maybe one or two actually good films in the last, what, 10, 15 years. Uh, let's see. Gummer Kyle putting trolls in their place on your Ghostbusters vid. Yeah, seriously. So many trolls. It's ridiculous. I have this one dude who it's in the, it's in one of the uh, videos I did talking about Eternals box office. And he just doesn't, understand he just can't conceive of the fact that if you have a budget and a marketing cost and then you have a amount received and then you do the math on it taking into account that the money received the studio has to split with the theaters that it's going to come into be a negative number and his number one point this dude his number one point was say yeah but it's a pandemic doesn't change the math. It doesn't change how much money was spent on the movie and how little money it made in comparison to that budget. And then he's trying to say, you know, because I, I use Dune, or not Dune, I use Venom 2 as an example, saying, you keep saying pandemic, 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 and yet, if you look to Venom 2's opening weekend, it made $10 million more dollars domestically than than the first one did and so then of course his response is yeah uh well how how does the entire box office of venom 2 compare to the first huh you're not going to answer that one it's like no i'm not ignoring that at all i'm not i'm not going to deny for a second that venom 2 is not going to make what venom 1 did because you are correct we are in pandemic times but here is the kicker here is the big kicker cost Venom 2 has made $100 million in net gain, net gross. So literally $100 million profit Venom 2 has already made at this point. Everything else it makes is more raw profit at this point. If you look to the state of the MCU, Black Widow, when you look at just the box office numbers, it lost money. People then bring up, oh, but Disney Plus, all right. Let's, let's bring in Disney+. Plus. Oh, wait a minute. Now we also have to account for the lawsuit. Okay, subtract that Disney Plus number because it pretty much ate up a big chunk of it. Okay, so now we're back at square one. Black Widow lost money. Now let's move on to Shang-Chi. People are disagreeing with me on this point. People even within the community 
don't like what I have to say about Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi, it made its money back and has made about $30 million in net game profit. But again, put that into context. That's $30 million for an MCU project of net gain, net profit. That is a terrible return on investment for a Disney movie. Now we move on to Eternals. Eternals, because it is not, it's not being saved in the international market like it first seemed like it might be. That is also set to be another financial loss for Disney. And so when we look at the entirety of the runs of the three MCU films this year, there's a very high chance that it'll be a negative run for the MCU. That's not even looking at all the other Disney movies. So many Disney films have come out over this pandemic time that have led to 100 plus million dollar losses. Most recently, of course, would be Jungle Cruise. Massive financial loss for Disney. So that's not even taking it that. Just looking at the three MCU films, when you look at total cost versus how much they got back, it's looking like they're going to end up in the red for the MCU films this year. And you can say pandemic, pandemic, pandemic all you want. Hey, guess what? It's still the red. It's still going to be in the red. It's still going to have lost money as a franchise for the year of 2021. And nothing you say and no emotion you have is ever going to change that. And for anyone that's going to say, oh, you're just biased against Disney. You're right. I do have a problem with a company that works with communists in China and films next to locations where there's concentration camps where people are being treated like machines, tools, inhuman, where people are being forced to work simply because of their religion and their heritage, where people are being taken, where people are being assaulted, where people are being sterilized against their will. Yeah, you're right. I am going to have an issue with a giant company like Disney when they do that kind of nonsense. Yeah, you're damn right I am. But guess what? All the major studios do work with them. So I'm going to be critical of all of them. But guess what? The difference between Disney and some of these other studios this year unless it's Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers is just as much up there because of their HBO Max release day model lost money. So it doesn't matter how I feel about the company. I can love a movie. I can hate a movie. Guess what? The money's still the same. You, you, you can't change that. Anyway, Slicer, don't forget the 09 video game. Good spiritual third movie. Yeah, I know a lot of people say that, but again, not not really a movie. Uh, again, video game, but I do I do uh, accept that point to an extent. Uh, Gormakal says, don't forget the want uh, the wanton scene, and RLM trashed it, but they did it to Revenge of the Sith, and that's their and that's my third favorite Star Wars, uh, the wanton scene. I, I guess I might be missing something there. Uh, to know what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I had someone come over. I had a, I actually had to hide this dude from the channel because he was just, again, his only argument was red letter media. Like, again, I was bringing to him data points. I was bringing to him statistics. And all he could respond to was, hey, well, uh, RLM. And he and and like his big thing was yeah I know that you know uh it it doesn't feel good to 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 be told you're wrong and to know you're wrong uh because uh people who know more than you like RLM like his only argument was RLM and it's like are you kidding me that's all you have you're just gonna accept anything that RLM has to say to you it was oh it was so cringe 
Anyway, chat's looking to jump on me, so let me try and get to some of these chats. Forever Sci-Fi, this was like a goodbye from Ghostbusters. I don't need to see another one. Someone completed might, uh, someone competent might be able to relaunch the franchise, but I doubt it because of intelligent humor is not allowed to. Yeah, and I don't want them to. And based on what we got, I really, I, there's some that are seeing the the kind of like the seeds being planted for a reboot or for a continuation. And I can, again, I can understand it to an extent, but the ending to me kind of just says no. The ending to me just says no. It, it was it meant more so just to troll and say, no, this is this is the end of this story. Now, again, do, does that mean that they're not going to continue the Ghostbusters universe? That's a whole other discussion. But when it comes to this specific storyline, I, I think it's from what I saw in the movie, I think it's very clearly... Uh, meant to be an ending. Harwick says, the most recent Ridley Scott movie I thought were good was The Martian and All the Money in the World. Uh, Martian was great. Martian was fantastic. All the Money in the World was not good. That was the one where you had to have respect for him for being able to reshoot the entire movie with a different actor when Kevin Spacey got in trouble. Like, that's the only positive thing to really say about that movie is, oh, he, he did all of that. He did all of that in just a short time. That's impressive. The movie was not very good. See, AJD, Ghostbusters doesn't have legs, in my opinion. It's a U.S. thing. As a Brit, I have no interest in the franchise. Well, bro, I will say you should go see it. It's a good time. It's good, fun film. And, uh, again, it might not have international legs, but it will have uh, domestic legs based on this strong start. So, again, legs is not specific to region, by the way. Uh, Philip Havis says, are you excited for the new Sandra Bullock prison drama Netflix movie, The Unforgivable? No, <laughs> I didn't even know that existed. <laughs> Warren Chad, did you see the Mary Sue blaming afterlife success on sexism? No, but I mean, that's typical Mary Sue. I kind of like gave up on them a while ago because it's like, okay, now it's just getting annoying. It's just the same story over and over again. Just, you know, you, you, you take out and you put in a different movie or a different name and it's the same nonsense over and over again. See, Rosie G. Seeing all the families as opposed to couples or friends in the theater for Afterlife when I saw it with family this past Sunday. Yeah, exactly. Right. I, and I think that that is kind of going to be uh, the state of it. Right. You know, it's a, it's a family movie. Right. It's it's a family. Uh, I think that it's a family project that's going to bring a lot of them in. But I also do think because when I saw it Thursday night, when I saw opening night, I it was it was mostly uh, people my age and a little older who were there. So I saw a lot of groups of friends that wanted to go see it. I also saw a couple families too. And that was uh, the 715 IMAX showing that I saw on Ghostbusters uh, uh, opening. So it's it's going to be a mixed bag of that. But I definitely think it's going to skew uh, towards families. And that's a good thing for the theaters and also for the studio as well. Harwick says, if Ghostbusters is a success, Sony will make a sequel. Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, ended with the characters destroying the game, but they still made a sequel. Yeah, but you go, if you go back into history, into that, it was very early on indicated that they were planning to make that into a franchise, even before it made money. So, again, it's not exactly the same point there, Hardwick. Um, with Afterlife, Sony has been making a lot of money this year uh, in comparison to a lot of the other studios. So, uh, again based on what we saw in the movie specifically, if they did what you are saying, it would be a Toy Story 4. If they did what you are saying, it would be a Toy Story 4, which is not a good thing. So it's not to say that they won't. It's just that based on what we got in the movie, it's 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 the end. It, it's it's a conclusion. It, it's It's a concluding point to the story. 
But that does not mean, as you say, that they might not try and put a Toy Story 4, which, by the way, anyone with a brain will say is not actually a part of the Toy Story canon because Toy Story 4 is a pure money grab garbage film. Griffin Turbo, what's going on? Awesome one says, used to own a comic. No, no, that's not me. Got the wrong person. You got the wrong bearded person. The wrong bearded person. Let's see. Forever sci-fi. I'm kind of surprised theaters didn't have the Ghostbusters triple feature, especially considering they showed the original a couple years ago. Seems like a missed opportunity. Yeah, and and I think in non-pandemic times they would have. Remember how they used to always have the fan events where for movies and a franchise they would you know you know have all the films play beforehand. They would have done that. They they would have done that. But I, I think obviously pandemic times makes that a little bit more of a difficult sell. By the way, apologies for my voice and just for being a little stuffy. Uh, the little one brings everything home from from daycare. Uh, also, one says Evil Lynn will win Best Supporting Actress. I I don't I don't know who that is, or if that's a reference. Rosie Twelve says Odin. I think Belfast is semi autobiographical for Branagh. Nice. I like Kenneth Branagh. I think that he is a great filmmaker, uh, and I and typically enjoy his stuff. Little Chad is a, a big fan of Excalibur. Again, I, 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 I'm not surprised that there are fans of Excalibur here. Uh, awesome one. Does Excalibur turn into a manly woman's uh, manly woman in love scenes? <laughs> Wait, turn into a manly woman in love? What? What? That does not make any sense to me whatsoever. I don't know what that was supposed to say. I'm very confused by that. I don't know how to feel about what was just said there. Uh, Hardwick, uh, not really. I I, uh, I kind of take Force of Light Entertainment's review on that. They said that, you know, as a movie watching on Netflix, okay. But as a movie, if they saw it in theaters, they would have had a different opinion. For me, it's like I don't care if it's on Netflix or if it's in a theater, you know, I'm probably going to end up having issues with it. Uh, Innovator Sensuda, what's going on? Welcome back. Glad to have you here, baby. Magnum tagged to say the vast majority of anime would make for bad live action. Yeah, I mean, there's just something unique to the storytelling there that just cannot translate for sure. And that's why, as I said, like, there's nothing offensive necessarily in what I've seen so far in the one episode of of the Bebop uh, live action adaptation. But it's also one where I'm like, I don't want to continue this. I'd rather just watch the original. Anyway, uh, over on uh, Odyssey, Vincent Womack says, I meant year or actors, but never mind. Oh, okay, okay, Vincent Womack. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yes, so I, I forget the year, but I want to say it's 1980s. Pretty sure it's 1980s. Um, doo -doo 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 -doo. Let's see. Hardwick says, speaking of Ridley Scott, do you plan to watch director's cut of Legends soon? Probably not because I wasn't really a fan of Legend when it first came out. And as someone else had pointed out, uh, Ridley Scott is not the Ridley Scott of old. He's not the Ridley Scott of old, so there's not really a whole lot to be excited about there. Rosie. Odin math is hard for trolls. They can only count the change for bridge tolls. Beyond that, they're lost. That's a great point. And I appreciate it very much. Just on the red shirt, what's going on? I think I met that guy. Yeah, yeah, probably. You probably have. He was all over that chat. 
Uh, Gobacast79 says, the trolls can't understand box office because math is racist. Yeah, pretty much. That is pretty much, uh, I don't understand it. Ergo, it must be offensive. That's the only way that I can fight against it. All right, let me get to one more, and then we'll dive back into the box office. I have a super chat here. It looks like perfect one for us to uh, leave off on to jump back into the box office talk. Mr. Zahn's Fandom Zone. Thank you for the $5 super chat. Says, the pandemic is an excuse for failure, but what about the successful films? It's a great point. There have been films that have made money this year despite the pandemic. The biggest reason... The, the, the best really example that we can look to or understanding of why that is the case is because of a couple of things. One, lower production budgets. And two, good word of mouth that got enough people to go see it worldwide that was able to lead to it to break even or even make money. Right? I mean, again, it seems like it's, it's a hard, I don't know why it seems like it's such a hard concept, but it, it's ridiculous. It really is. Mr. Zod, though, thank you very much for that super chat, man. I really do... Uh, appreciate that. All right, let's head back over and talk about some box office. So, moving now into the eternal situation, right? Eternal situation. Uh, this one I don't really have to spend as much time on as the other. So here's the thing, right? Eternals, Black Widow, both of them cost 200 plus million production budget. That means that the break even for those films is around 500 uh, million dollars. And as you can see, Black Widow got to 376, and that is why the film lost money. Eternals is at $337 million. So I had reported that it looked like there was going to be a strong enough showing in the international box office and in the international play for Eternals where a break-even number, or at the very least getting close enough to a break-even, would at least be possible. However, based on the fact that it is not seemingly doing as well, in the international market as it was doing at first, uh, that likely will not uh, continue. It did have a respectable 49% drop, I believe, internationally from week one to week two. It is available in the vast majority of international markets, so it's not like it's waiting for a lot of those markets either. However, it has, and again, this is one of the reasons why I did have that notion originally, it has passed already after a couple weeks of release the entirety of the runs of Black Widow and Shang-Chi. So that is an impressive feat, and that means that this film is going to get to, what, 250 maybe $300 million internationally? But the issue, of course, for this movie is that no one in America or in the entire domestic market wants to actually go see it. And that is going to be kind of like the, the, death te- the death knell to this movie. So let's go ahead and adjust for inflation just to make sure these numbers are accurate. So as you can see, not a lot of victories for Eternals. It had a higher first Saturday. It had a higher first Thursday. And that's pretty much it. It really that's technically a second Thursday, uh, but post-release first Thursday. And if you go to where it is now, 137.5, whereas Black Widow at the same time in its release was at 156, whereas Shang-Chi was at 178. And the other important thing to remember about Shang-Chi and why this film made money is because with $150 million, this film did not need to make as much money back in order for it to be able to break even. So, going back to my handy-dandy charts, I like charts. What can I say? I like charts. Let's talk about 
Shang-Chi. So my second weekend had around $257 million. And with a $150 million production budget, $225 million was the cost, which means the film needed to make $375 million to break even. As you saw, it made over $400 million, meaning that the film right now with around $430 million. So again, some of those numbers, uh, sometimes the numbers don't always update exactly. But as of right now, as of the latest update, it had $430 million worldwide, meaning that it's got a $33 million surplus. Now, it is important for us to remember, though, this is a Marvel movie. And there is not much time left for this movie to make any money because it's already available for free on Disney Plus now. So this is not a good look. It's not a good look at all. Especially when you realize, okay, $33 million in the black for Shang-Chi. Okay, that's pretty cool. What about the other Black Widow? What about the other Marvel film that come out this year? Oh, wait a minute. 378. Mm, that was a $73 million loss. And since the Disney Plus numbers are kind of moot at this point because of the lawsuit, hmm, okay. So, $73 million negative versus $33 million positive does not end with a, a positive number there. You add on top of that Eternals, which right now is at $98 million in the negative, in the red, and is slowing down uh, more so internationally than was once thought that it would, and with a lot of competition coming out this weekend, likely will fall closer then to this $58.8 million number, likely. And again, things could change. Things could easily change. I want everyone to keep this in mind, that this film right here, if you can't see it, this is no time to die. This movie was expected to see, as you see, it was expected to be a massive loss. And yet, the international community came together in droves and, for some reason, went gaga for this movie. So, what was meant to be a massive loss, specifically and only because of the international community, is now at negative 9 million. So, this movie, No Time to Die, will break even by the end of this week. Now, I know that there's some people out there that say, well, the actual break-even's 800 or 900 million. And again, that's taking into account factors that really can't be verified. Or if they can be verified, they ignore some of the other factors like tax credits, uh, marketing campaigns, things like that, which could offset some of those costs. So that's why instead of diving into the full weeds on those numbers, I always just err on the side of, okay, let's just take the budget, the typical marketing, and then take the typical cuts and losses, do the math, and just leave it at that. You know, I try and keep things as simple as I can. Obviously, I know that it's still relatively complicated because obviously it is um, uh, it is still math and that is not fun. So, as you can see though, that is not likely going to happen with Eternals. It could happen, but it's not likely. It's not likely. So, you're then ending then with three Marvel films to come out in 2021 in the negative. Now, hold on, you might say, hey, wait a minute, we have one more to come out. We have one more to come out. You're forgetting about Spider-Man. Ah, the issue with Spider-Man is that they're splitting that revenue with Sony. So even though it's likely going to be a billion-dollar film this year, they still have to split the money with Sony. So if we're just talking about pure Disney films from Disney... Again, not a very good look for it. 
All right, let's head back into the chat. Thank you, Odyssey fam. Light up that fire button if you have not done so already. Uh, and let's see um, where the next comment is from either a member or someone who tagged at Odin. All right. Hardwick, I don't understand why Sony hasn't taken the voice recordings for the video game, created new animation, and made an animated movie with maybe a bit more dialogue from the surviving cast. Uh, I mean, I've never played the game, so I don't know if that's even something that is feasible. I don't know if there's enough there uh, to be able to do so. But also, don't be surprised if that happens one day, you know? Like, don't be surprised if they uh, try and uh, take advantage, right, of this revival of sorts of interest within the Ghostbusters franchise. Because, I mean, for all we knew and all of us thought, the Ghostbusters franchise died in 2016, with that abomination that was uh, Wokebusters 2016. This is an entirely new scenario of which I don't think a lot of people expected, you know? So it, it's going to be interesting to see just how well this film does. And also, does this lead to people finding out more about the original films or diving into the game or get, uh, or the original game getting uh, like ported over into some more modern systems so that people can play it? Who knows? All these things are possible. All right, G Monkey says, been shopping for X-Men, and the only thing left in great numbers are Marvel toys. I don't think Disney is having a good year. Couldn't have happened to a nicer bunch of people. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, obviously we could look to their theme parks being closed for a long time. So that means that they were operating at uh, massive losses just Again, with stuff sitting there, not making money. Um, but obviously, they've been open now for a while, and people are still flocking over there, even with the crazy restrictions and all the stuff they have going on. Um, but obviously, Disney does make money from various other locations as well. Uh, let's see. Rhaegar, what's going on, man? Says, speaking of uh, Red Letter Media, I highly recommend their review on Ghostbusters Afterlife. Um, I I've I've heard that it's it's incredibly critical and negative. And again, not to say that there isn't room for a conversation about the movie, but from what I hear from others that have seen it, they said that they become quite like nitpicky with it. And that kind of gets annoying, at least for me. Alaric says, hey Odin, I read the Kirby Eternals. They were into the comic, cosmic comic universe like Silver Surfer. They weren't popular, though. The movie was based on the more recent comic by Neil Gaiman. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. That that's kind of like what modern day Marvel's doing is they're only take even if they have a classic character they're only taking newer stories because they somehow think it's going to be more relevant or they somehow think it's going to be more um, popular for some reason. It makes no sense. Harwick, do you think that Ghostbusters Beetlejuice crossover would have worked back when Harold Ramis was alive? Um, yeah, I thought I saw that somewhere. Like someone had asked whether or not that was still on the table. And I, I didn't quite get it, to be honest, because, I again, I, I wasn't really into the, uh, you know, I'm not like a diehard franchise, you know, person. I, I love the original film. I really like the second one, too. I never played the video game. Again, video games were never really my thing. I never really dove into any of the other lore other than what were in the first two movies. So, um, no, I, I, I just, that to me would be a bit too much. Whether it was at the time or now, I don't. I don't really think uh, crossover. I think crossovers work like that in comics, 
or an animation, I don't think it works as much in real life. It's just my take. Samurai Vader, exactly. Two plus two equals fish. Jeremy Zakowski, math hurts my head. I hope it didn't. I hope I didn't do brain. I hope I didn't damage my brain. Yeah, seriously. I apologize for anyone who gets damaged by math. Rob D. Uh, oh no! Did you ever wonder exactly how many films are lost to history, or will be lost to history? Meaning, may never be released on home video, or only released on VHS. Uh, yeah. Um, Rob D. Someone else shared with me a video recently um, from a great channel, and they actually went into that. They actually went into basically movies that were almost destroyed by their creators, or movies that were destroyed by their creators. I forget what it's called. I think one of my Valks may have sent it to me or one of my chosen may have sent it to me or someone. Uh, so if my Valks know what they're, what they're talking about, like uh, you can like, again, please share those links because it's a really good, it's a really, really good um, video breakdown. Let's see. Evan S says my local AMC gave me paper straw. When I went to see ghostbusters might go to a different theater now. Uh, Evan S. Yeah. Um, that must be an AMC Y policy because yeah, I've noticed that too. Um, starting in the last couple of weeks that they now do paper straws, which is just the dumbest thing. It's just the dumbest thing. Like if they had it where it, it worked well and it didn't just fall apart. Okay. Whatever. But the fact that, that it doesn't like they're, they're the cheap paper straws that fall apart so easily. It just becomes annoying. And it makes me want to bring my own plastic straw. <laughs> I would not be surprised if there's like, eventually some type of like black market imagine this a black market uh plastic straw industry into in in theaters you know people typically and they'll sneak candy in or food in or anything now you're smuggling in the plastic ones right you're you're struggling in the plastic uh straws that to me would be fantastic to be honest i, I would love that Let's see orange hat says uh, speaking of really Scott, have you seen G.I. Jane? Didn't know it was written by the same guy who directed the Riddick movies. Uh, no, I've actually never seen G.I. Jane. Never had an interest, to be honest. Not really my cup of tea. Uh, Anono Mas, by the way, thank you for uh, being a member for three months in a row at the Citizen of Asgardian level. He says, just saw Ghostbusters Afterlife. 9.0 for me. Had a few issues that are easily ignored. Enjoyed it very much. It's so enjoyable. Yeah, uh, there are some issues with the story. No doubt about it. There's issues with the story. But it is a fun movie. And we don't get a lot of those these days, sadly. Don't get a lot of them these days, sadly. But I'm glad that you like the film. It's a lot of fun. Alrighty, let us see... Just another redshirt who is also a member says, No Time to Die was a dumpster fire. Even after the reshoots, Daniel Craig and Barbara Broccoli have a lot to answer for. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just a, it's a giant mess. You know, it, it's not the worst film I've ever seen. It, it's, it's, it may not even be, it's not even my least favorite of the uh, Daniel Craig era because Quantum of Solace to me is just so trash. Like, that's not to say that No Time to Die is good. It's just that, Quantum Solace is such trash that this film has some element. Like the one thing to me that I actually really enjoyed in No Time to Die was the um, the the small subplot with the 
agent who's supposed to be like brand new, right? And the entire time, great actress who played her, by the way, uh, I think it's like De Armas, I think is, is her last name. She, in that role, though, showcased so much charisma that it was hard not to enjoy that character. And then it also kind of put into a very clear light that she should have been, if you're going to go the 00 agent, like, oh, you've been replaced with another 007 agent, you, you might as well replace it with an actress like her who can actually perform and has charisma versus the one that they did like that, that they did cast Lashana Lynch who who has as much charisma as a plank of wood I mean it's already bad enough that you're trying the whole oh we have a new 007 etc it's already bad enough that you already have this terrible ending as well that doesn't make any damn sense and it's just going to cause so much more confusion and just again break the timeline um not to say the timeline was was that all intact in the first place, but at the very least, it just uh, caused a giant mess. Um, but then also, you have this great actress that really should have been a, a a much bigger player than the supporting role that she was in. It's it's really sad, really really sad. Anyway, uh, let us see. Make sure I didn't miss anything. Let's see. Glenn Cottingham. What's going on, Glenn? Says, I've gone a couple rounds with some of the folks in your comments, especially about who's producing uh, NWH and the equity split. NWH. No Way Home, I'm assuming, is, is what that's standing for. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people, right? There's a lot of people from all sides who are very passionate about a lot of different things. Uh, but yeah, for some reason, people just don't understand how these deals work, you know? And so they look at a film like Spider-Man, they say, well, Spider-Man's going to make a billion dollars. And that already shows you how little they know. Because yes, the box office might read a billion dollars, but you then have to subtract the amount of money that it costs to make the film. You then have to subtract the marketing cost. You then have to subtract the cut the theater gets. And that billion very quickly drops a lot. You add on top of that a film like this, which I'm assuming is around a 50-50 split. I'm imagining. Again, I haven't seen their contracts, but that sounds right to me at least. And then you start to realize, okay, um, <laughs> that, that massive billion-dollar movie that we had it's not nearly as as much as as it was in the very beginning. So, anyway, uh, Will Gentry, thank you for the diamond donation over on D Live. I appreciate it, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're awesome. Uh, Hardwick, I feel like there's times where uh, you're here and and you're typing your comments. I feel like you're always writing a, a novel. Um, and, and you just don't listen? Because <laughs> I, I, I literally mentioned that I apologize for sounding the way that I do because I get everything that my son brings home from daycare. And again, maybe that was when you were writing one of your 20 novels. <laughs> but anyway, yes, clearly. No, this is just how I always sound. On Tuesday nights. <laughs> All 
All right, heading over to Odyssey for a second. We got Vincent Womack saying, uh, Ghostbusters 2 is, to date, the only movie I have seen more than once in theater, and it wasn't because I loved it. It's because I didn't understand why I didn't like it. Oh, okay, okay. That's interesting. That is that is interesting, uh, Vincent Womack. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it's... I can... See, here's the thing. I, I can totally understand why there are a lot of people that don't like that movie. I just love it. Like, there's just so many fun things about it. There's so many great characters in it as well. And uh, I, I it definitely does not compare to the first. I, I definitely can say that much. But it's just fun. I think that's what it, what it came down to. The reason why I enjoyed Ghostbusters 2 so much is just because it was fun. You know, kind of in a different way than uh, Afterlife is, but kind of in the same way, right? Where it's, yeah, it's not as uh, well polished. It's not as well written, but it's fun. Uh, and also the, uh, the uh, Statue of Liberty sequence is just so great. It's just so great. Not to mention, uh, was it Vigo the uh, Carthusian? Is that, is that the full name that he has? What a great villain. What a great creepy villain. <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead then and talk about the last movie before we wrap things up for the evening. Uh, so let's go jump back over to my chart right here. All right, let's talk about Dune because this is the other thing that has caused some people to go insane in my comment section. There's one person who uh, literally this is a video from like like two weeks ago maybe, and so they reposted earlier today and they were like, you see, it reached this thing, and it's going to break even. It's going to make money. All right, let's talk about Dune. First off, what are my thoughts about Dune? Hey, guess what? I like Dune. I was a fan of Dune. Not everyone in here was a fan of Dune, but I liked it. Had some story issues. I do grant it that for sure. But in general, I liked it. But what I think about the movie does not impact and does not matter in the grand scheme of things when talking about these box office numbers. So, where is the film right now? When we talk about Dune, right now, as of today, and again, maybe off by a couple million because I haven't updated recently, but box office for Dune, $367 million worldwide. All right. This is a movie that needs to make $412.5 million to break even. This is based on the fact that the budget for the film was one sixty-five, dollars meeting... Multiply that by 1.5 is typical marketing cost. That puts it at 247.5. You then take into account that studios get about 60% of the box office, and that leaves you with the $412.5 million break-even number. Okay. Pretty simple so far. At 367, that means if we were to end the film's run today, the movie would be at negative $27.2 million. Here is the other issue when it comes to Dune. Dune has been out for an incredibly long time internationally. In fact, it barely added anything in its most recent release. In fact, I even have the numbers for you. As it says, Warner Brothers Dune produced an estimated 4.6 million from 75 markets. So this past weekend... It made 4.6 million from 79, sorry, 75 countries. 75 countries, 
4.6 million. All right, it's not rocking the overseas market because it's been out in the big players there for a long time at this point, for months at this point. Some people are really putting a lot of trust and hope in Australia and New Zealand, saying, oh, just wait until it releases there because December 2nd. Okay, let's talk about a couple things. For one, (laughs) Australia, New Zealand, not known for producing lots of money for the box office. Just go ahead and do your own research on that, and you'll see, oh, yeah, not a lot of big money coming from Australia and New Zealand. Uh, Australia is definitely a lot bigger as far as the money is concerned from from New Zealand, but I digress. Okay. Add on top of that, have you have you paid attention? Have you read a news story as to what's going on in Australia and New Zealand and that part of the world right now with their crazy government mandates and protests? Do you honestly think that people are going to say, you know what I'm going to go do today? I'm going to go to a theater where because of the government, I'm going to be forced to have some type of a, a vax passport and, <laughs> and go see the movie that's been out for an incredibly long time. I, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. So I honestly think if you look at this, there is not a lot of hope for the film to be able to make the remaining, again, quick math here, what, $42 million or so, 42 to $45 million it needs to, to, to hit the break-even number. So is it possible? Yeah, sure, it's possible. But if you're banking everything on those two countries, uh, it's, it's, it's not going to be anything. Again, pick up a newspaper. Read a news article about what's going on. Watch the videos coming out of that country right now. And you'll see, this is a movie I like. Uh, Tina has made it very clear that she does not like this one. And that's fine. That's totally fine. But, doesn't matter how we feel about the movie. What matters is the box office. Mr. Roy. <laughs> uh, paper straws is the devil. That was your one mistake, Mr. Roy. If you were trying to do the impression or impersonation from the water boy. You should have changed the R to is. Paper straws is the devil. Anyway. All right, we covered all the box office. Let's go ahead and finish up with as many comments as we can. Uh, Five of Five's Place over on Odyssey says, and Australian camps that military are taking from homes to Howard Springs. Yeah, I thought I heard about that. I haven't dug any deeper into it. But yeah, I I believe that there are apparently now uh, people who are being taken to camps. And I'm sure that that should put some imagery into people's minds. Uh, and just how not good that is. Orange Hat says, Paper straws are a, f- are a fad. They will go back if enough backlash hits them. My local small town theater did. People were really sick of them. And that's the thing. Like, I don't mind. See, here's the thing for with me, Orange Hat. Excuse me. If they make one that doesn't fall apart, I'm okay. If it functions like a straw, I don't care if it's made of paper or plastic. But if you're gonna if you're gonna give me one that's gonna fall apart and and become an annoyance, yeah, that's gonna be an issue. Um, so yeah, either that's gonna happen, Orange Hat, what you just said, or what I said, which I think is just a lot more fun. There will be a black market that will develop of people sneaking in 
plastic straws. And then before the movie starts saying, does anyone need a plastic straw? That'd be great. Or if they start to like charge for it, that'd be hilarious. That'd be great. That's the kind of world I want to live in. I'll give you a plastic straw for 25 cents. You're crazy. Okay. Enjoy your paper straw. Uh, Just the red shirt says Ryan Cannell uh, is a paper straw. Pretty much. Pretty much. And yes, I did say Cannell. Uh, I don't know. Ma says guy in trench coat flashing his straws. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Can I interest you in some quality straws? Yeah. Basically, with my voice and the trench coat, that 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 will be me. I will become king of the plastic straws. It'll be a new cottage industry. Physics Channel Kenny Lee says, Hi, Odin. Looks like I came in in the end. Yes, you did, Physics Channel, but thank you for stopping by nonetheless. Appreciate you being here. Um, let's see. Rosie G12 says, Afterlife, solid B, lots of fun. Loved how it treated Harold Ramis. Oh, yes, absolutely. So much respect given, and uh, I loved it. Loved it. Uh, I, I was tearing up. I, I talked about this with uh, Force of Light, with Michelle from Force of Light Entertainment on our Saturday show. Again, you can still find links to that all over the place. Also, if you go to the playlist that I have, there's a live streams playlist. Should still show up there as well. It's a great discussion. We talk about that. Every single one of us, uh, you know, teared up at the very least uh, during that scene. Some people cried. In the chat, people were admitting, saying that they just full out cried. And I totally understand because it was so incredibly moving and it was so respectful too. That's the other important thing. It was so respectful. Uh, just another red shirt says plastic straws were demonized on the basis of a teenager's science project. Um, and his estimates of plastic straw uses are ridiculous. Yeah. And that's the other thing too. It's like if, if, if plastic straws are the issue, why don't we try and find a way to better dispose of them than forcing people to use subpar straws? I don't know. Jack, I like, I like the part in No Time to Die where we found out Bruce Willis was a ghost. <laughs> I see what you did there. You silly goose, you. Soul Assassin tag to say howdy. Side note, did you see that fan tackle Seth Rollins? I did. Yeah, that video was was going gangbusters. And uh, I, I hope that dude spent some time in prison, man. That's not cool. It's never cool to jump the barricade. Even if I don't like WWE, even if I don't like a wrestler, Again, that that's assault, man. <laughs> that's assault. Not to mention, um, someone on security needs to be fired because he he got a pretty good distance before anyone got involved. The referee got involved more so. Gomer Kyle, I know a lot of spoilers to No Way Home. It sounds good if true, but I'm always going to be a <laughs> I'm always going to be a Lady of the Night for Spider Man and Daredevil or Punisher. Yeah, Gomer Kyle, I think a lot of people feel that way too. And yeah, I think there's a lot of potential. I think there is a lot of potential that the Spider Man film has, especially if they're able to bring uh, certain certain people back. Which again, there's been rumors about some confirmation about others. And I, I made this point on the most recent episode of the OMB podcast that I do with John Flickinger for uh, Patreon subscribe star and locals people. And uh, I said, I'll just give me Willem Dafoe back as Green Goblin singing the full version of the Itsy Bitsy Spider. And I'm there opening night. I'm an easy sell there because I'm a shill for Willem Dafoe. <laughs> specifically 
Willem Dafoe as Green Goblin. Such a great uh, character. Forever Sci-Fi. Odin is starting to sound like a squeaky voice teen from The Simpsons. Uh, Johnny TTO, thank you for the super chat. Adds on to that saying, smooth jazz. Odin voice is back. Yeah, definitely go through phases with this. See, Glenn says, per deadline, Marvel produces 25% for a 25% equity split. Um, Well, Glenn, thank you for that information. I'm going to write that down. So thank you, Glenn, for that. I'm going to say shout out to Glenn if I reference that because thank you for giving me a source to look in on that as well. So deadline, 25% for Disney. And that makes sense, right? They put in 25% of the money, they get 25% of the uh, receipts. So yeah, you take into account massive, let's say a billion dollar film, you subtract marketing and total costs and everything else, and then they get 25%. Not looking good. Not looking good. Uh, awesome one says, Odin owns a horse because he's a because he's horse. Ha ha ha. That's almost as good as one of the jokes said in Ghostbusters, which had me laughing so much. Uh, Rob D, I want to see uh, someone make a billion-dollar budget movie just to see what they can do with that amount of money and to see how much it would lose. Yeah, that's the thing, though, is the more money you throw at a project, it seems to me, based on current Hollywood, the worse the story is because you get so caught up with, oh, I can spend it on this and this and this and this, and in all of that, what do you lose? The story. If you don't have a good story, you don't have a good movie. Oh, no, no, Moss, thank you. Carpathian, okay. Carthusian is an actual religious order, so that's probably why that was on the brain. Uh, but uh, <laughs> thank you for that. Uh, Vigo the uh, Cappuccino says Dan Blackroyd. By the way, interesting name there. <laughs> Carpathian, you plebe. As I said, Orange Chat, not a diehard fan. I love the films, not a diehard fan. Hardwick, I still... <laughs> Hardwick, I don't care about this one. You make me read these comments. Uh, you're the reason why I lose my voice as often as I do whenever I'm struggling because you, you write novels. Director's Cut of Legend is from Ridley Scott of old. He made it before the theatrical cut was made, but it wasn't released for years. It's much better than theatrical. Uh, isn't Legend... I, I might be thinking of a different legend, but is the legend that you're talking about the legend with Tom Hardy? Because that was not good. And... Oh, it's the one of him of old. What are you talking about? That, that's not an old release. If that's the one I'm thinking about. Lord. And I still don't I still don't care. Gomakov 79. <laughs> it's the Odin Rockin' Chart show. It's the Odin Rockin' Chart show. I got shots. All right. We are about at time, so I'll try and get through as many comments as I can. Uh, Nona Ma says they better hope they can make that up in Blu-ray 4K sales. Yeah, and that's the other thing too, right? Is that... In, in Dune's case, I, I, I will say this much. Dune being negative $27 million, it, it's going to make more money. It's going to make something, right? It's going to be... It's going to make something um, with the uh, release in Australia and New Zealand, even if it's just pennies on the dollar. So even though I, I still think that the film's not going to get to the break-even point... It's going to get close enough to where I think you can 
make a uh, you can make a argument that the movie will be getting a uh, enough money so that in 4K and Blu-ray sales it, it actually makes its money back. Okay, I see people in the live chat saying it's uh, the Legend with Tom uh, Cruise, which actually happens to be a movie that I I own uh, because. And it's interesting how you mentioned saying director's cuts. Well, I have the director's cut right here. So what what are you what in the hell are you talking about? Saying there's a new director's cut. Why would there be a new director's cut? Why would you make a second director's cut? Because all that indicates is that it's not the director's cut if that's the case. And also, as I said before, because you've you've talked about this before, Hardwick, now everything's coming back to me. Again, it's a circle with you, man. We've talked about this before. Oh my goodness. Hardwick, I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not talking to you for the rest of the stream. You 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 uh you you you've you've left me no choice. Uh Hardwick. No choice but to declare you excommunicado. For the rest of the stream, you're excommunicado. I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> I'm at my wit's end. My wit's end. Uh, Karen Baker. Yeah, and if you watch any of my videos covering Dune, guess what? I've mentioned that. <laughs> it has been greenlit. It's been greenlit for weeks now. The issue is not whether or not it gets greenlit or not. It's whether it's make whether it makes money or not. All right? Ah. <sighs> Anyway, uh, Graymaster Yoda says, I don't think Afterlife track behind 2016 is not a problem. I have a smaller budget and a good chance to get profit. That's all that matters for the studio. No, I, I agree. That's what I, I, that's what I said at the very beginning. So just reiterating what I had made, what point I had made. Physics Channel, Willem Dafoe's excellent actor, Angry Goblin. I agree wholeheartedly, and that's all I want. That's all I need. Remember sci-fi? Didn't Amazon throw about a billion in New Lord of the Rings? Yeah, but also you have to remember that's broken into different episodes, so we'll have to wait and see. And yeah, as we all know, money does not make movies. Or rather, uh, money does not make good or bad movies. It's the talent behind it. Soul Extraction. Yes, thank y'all for, for letting me know that. All right, skipping the excommunicado comments. Ah, makes my job a lot easier. Uh, awesome one says, what's the end of wit? Is there anything there? What's at the end of wit? What? What? Oh, wit's end. I was like, oh my goodness. Oh, it took me so much longer than I needed to to get that. Dare, how dare you, awesome one? How dare you trick me? All right, let's say hello to some Odyssey fam, and then we'll head out. All right, so Vincent of Womack says, you should try and join Nina Infinity when she does a movie talk. Last one was Ghostbusters, and it was a great stream with George. Yeah, I think she didn't like it. I think she didn't like it. Um, I don't, yeah, I mean, maybe. Uh, I think she's great, but I don't really want really, really to fight anyone on that movie. And then it says, good example for limited budget would be El Mariachi. Great shout, by the way. Great shout. Uh, one have to think creatively to make the movie one wants to make. Was just try, uh, typing about legend when you start talking about it. <laughs> okay, Vincent Womack. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, absolutely, dude. Uh, I uh, El Mariachi, that's a great, great shout out. Um, it's the, if anyone's ever seen uh, Desperado, that was the original movie 
without Antonio Banderas. Uh, and it's actually really well done, really well made. No, no, there's so many great low-budget films uh, that come out even every year. And it's great. It's so much fun. Um, but, uh, yeah, I know you were just mentioning about Legend. And, again, I do plan on watching this. Um, and I, I probably will end up watching the Director's Cut because this says Director's Cut. So I'm assuming, then, that this is the definitive edition of it. So, you know, it is what it is. But... Uh, it's not on the top of my list, to be perfectly honest, uh, just because there's a lot of other things that I either need to to actually finish or or get through in general. All right, so let's say let's go ahead and say goodbye to people. Uh, let's see, Anonoma says George did not like it much either. Yeah, so then it'd be like two against one if that was the situation. But no, uh, no, Nina, Nina Infinity, she's great, she's awesome. So shout out to her. Um, but yeah, in general, not really, again, my, my, uh, my, my cup of tea. Uh, let's see. Alice McCarthy. I don't even know what I just said there, by the way. <laughs> I don't know what I just said. It's not my cup of tea. Alice McCarthy. I like a movie where Willem Dafoe plays every character. Bro. Yes. Someone needs to write that movie and I will go see that one opening night as well. Cause that would be fantastic. Uh, Gorma Kyle says, happy Thanksgiving to everyone in the chat. Stay safe. Don't argue politics or Rittenhouse or that, that fool in Wisconsin. Um, Gorma Kyle, I will disagree on a certain point. And that is, no, I, I don't argue. Just state facts. I think now is a great time to try and red slash white slash black pill uh, people. Now, again, don't do it forcibly. Again, don't do it forcibly. You know, don't don't be an ass about it. But I think that it is something where um, it's a good time to, to just be honest and talk to each other. But obviously, yeah, don't don't put yourself into uh, a situation where it's going to cause any chaos. But you should, I think, use that time to uh, to talk to people, to be honest with people, right? To, to, to share with people and to have those good conversations. Um, but yeah, I honestly, I honestly do think that it's incredibly important for us uh, to be able to have those. Dark Shadow Logan enjoys those uh, back and forth. <laughs> Things like you can slowly see, like there's just like over time, it's like I'm slowly losing patience like every single time. Uh, but anyway, thank you all so very much for being here. Uh, again, uh, we should, uh, uh, unless my voice is gone tomorrow morning, which is definitely a chance, uh, there's a good chance for us to have a chosen stream tomorrow. So uh, around 1 p.m., 2 p.m. Eastern time, uh, look forward to a chosen stream with some of my chosen. And then uh, if for any reason tomorrow gets canceled, then at least on Saturday. And again, uh, if I do have to cancel tomorrow because of my voice, I, I will, of course, apologize to any of the chosen who could only do uh, tomorrow. Uh, but obviously, if I haven't have much of a voice, then it's it's just not going to be a, a good thing. But anyway, thank you all for being here. A huge shout out, of course, to... Uh, my Valks, thank you again uh, to Tina for being here, for being awesome. Huge shout out, of course, to uh, Laura for being here earlier as well. Again, thank you all very much, all to members on the channel, uh, everyone for your likes. Please make sure you smash that like button before you head out. Light up that fire button if you're on Odyssey. Uh, and again, most importantly of all, uh, despite whether you agree with me or not about the comment about uh, when you're with family, have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, enjoy the time with family. Enjoy the time with friends. Right, it's a time for us to be able to uh, spend some time together. And during this last year, 
uh, plus. It's obviously been very difficult for us. And for many, this might be the first uh, big gathering that maybe even had with your friends or your family uh, because of restrictions or anything else. So yeah, uh, I hope that everyone is able to have some fun and is able to enjoy some turkey. Uh, I have my family coming in tomorrow, so we'll be eating well, and I'm very, very excited for that. Anyway, you guys are all great, amazing, beautiful people. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your evening, and as always, God bless. And now for a huge shout out to all of my November Patreon, Subscribestar, and Locals members. Starting first off with Patreon, Andrew Hoyle, Animation Commentator, Brandon, Brian P., Christopher Bowman, Dolores Ed, Dion, Father Christopher Miller, Hail to you, Father, Father Damian Cook, Garrett Searles, Harold Francis, Inflamed Wood, Jacob the Juice, JC, Jeffrey Toon, Joe Horn, Jonathan Carney, Gomer Kyle 79, Laura the Modern Major General Story, Mike Jackson, Mad Mitch Dunaway, Mondo Spieler, Mr. Peabody, On to June, Orange Hat Reviews, Out of Step with Reality, Priscilla Hall, Rosetta Allen, Stan Andrian, Teresa Martin, Theodore Benden, Tina Bojan, and Tina B, the Empress of the Universe. And a shout out to my Subscribestar members, UAB, Mad Dog, Storm Tracker, The R, Fast Reaction, Nosferatu Gatsu, Stan 4, John B, Perpetual Punster, Mr. Roy, Glinzer, J, Alex McCarthy Jr., Dean Heiss, Slash, the new number two, and J Rod, the Beer Guru, and of course, ZK Man. Thank you very much for supporting me over there. And to my three supporters over on Locals.com, Caratharp, Bifford a Hobbit, and Robert Barnes. You guys are all amazing and beautiful people. And if you want your name shout out at the end of every live stream and every video I do on the channel, check out that top link in the description below to find out how to sign up to the various levels that exist, including the most basic level where you get a shout out, the secondary level, the Army of Asgard, where you get that, plus access to a giveaways exclusive server where I give away things like 4Ks and Blu-rays and digital codes. All kinds of stuff, a lot of fun. You then also have the Keeper of the Bifrost level where you get all that stuff plus access to an exclusive podcast that I do with John the Flick Pick Flickinger. You get to ask us questions and you get also access to that and the entire library of podcast episodes that we have done. And then there is, of course, the Chosen of Valhalla level where not only do you get all of that, but also in your first month, you get a t-shirt of your choice and sent to you anywhere in the world. Of course, just let me know your size and the color option that you want. It'll be sent to you that first month. And also you get to be featured on the once-a-month Chosen of Valhalla live stream, where we have a ton of fun talking about movies and projects and all kinds of stuff. Pretty much anything that the Chosen wants to talk about is on the table. So if any of that sounds interesting to you, check out that top link. You're all amazing and beautiful people. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, God bless.